You're listening to Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. I'm Maria Shaleos. With me today is Dr. Liz Joy. She's from Intermountain Healthcare. She's the Senior Medical Director of Wellness and Nutrition. And we've been talking about the impacts of bad air, both on our mental and physical health. And we've been talking about it mainly, we're thinking about inversion in the wintertime, but we really need to be aware, Dr. Joy, that it's not just a winter issue. Really, air pollution is something that affects us year-round, especially here in Utah, other parts of the country as well. But, you know, particulate pollution is, you know, PM 2.5, which are the very small particles that can make them their way all the way into our blood vessels and even into our, our cells. Um, PM 10 um, particles are a little bit bigger, actually quite a bit bigger, and they might get caught in the nose and they cause that kind of irritated runny nose or irritated runny eyes that we experience with particulate pollution. In the summertime, we have um, what's called ground-level ozone. And uh, that's very different than the ozone layer, which is, you know, in the stratosphere above the Earth and helps to protect the Earth's surface from the sun's rays. But ground-level ozone is um, a chemical reaction between sunlight and volatile organic compounds, the majority of which come from tailpipes. And ground-level ozone is a colorless, odorless gas, and, um, and it's, uh, it peaks during really hot, uh, sunny times of the day. So ground-level ozone is probably highest between about 1 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon in the summertime. Um, and ground-level ozone... Um, unlike particulate pollution, which can exacerbate asthma or um, other respiratory diseases, interestingly, ground-level ozone can actually cause it. It's so pro-inflammatory, it's been shown to actually cause asthma in children. Um, and, it's, and it's difficult, right, because you can't see it or smell it. Um, so, um, you know, when ozone levels are high, um, you know, we, again, advise people to avoid outdoor, you know, physical activity during that, during that time. So we have particulate pollution. We have ozone pollution. I think, um, you know, wildfire smoke is another form of air pollution that we deal with a great deal in the West um, because um, certainly as the, you know, we're having experiencing some climate change and some warming and, you know, that is increasing the likelihood of uh, fires. And, um, and fire smoke um, is also very dangerous um, to airways and um, also um, to people who have underlying heart disease. Um, and we've had several instances in the past several, in the couple of summers, you know, where um, mm-hmm. wildfire smoke, you know, has resulted in us having to cancel or change venues for sporting events. Um, because, you know, the pollution levels were so high, we thought it was unsafe for children and adolescents to be doing um, sporting events. And um, the fires in California last summer um, resulted in some of the world's worst air. I mean, we think of places like Beijing and India and some other places around the globe that really have um, poor air quality, you know, oftentimes related to coal-fired power plants. Um, But to think that, you know, California had some of the worst air in the world um, solely because of um, wildfires. Right. In the past, uh, we wanted to blame commercial polluters for our pollution, but that is not the case anymore. A lot of these big commercial companies have done a lot to reduce what they are emitting. This is really about us and yep. what we're doing. 
Absolutely. I mean, we have to take responsibility. We have to drive smarter, um, you know, whether that's, um, you know, making changes in terms of how we drive, but also what we drive, right? So we've talked a little bit about tier three fuels and, and making the choice to purchase tier three fuels. I think when people, you know, get to the point of replacing their cars, you know, we need to start thinking about, you know, electric cars, Um and, you know, the electric cars, particularly those that end up being powered by solar energy, um, you know, they, those are pretty um, uh, neutral, you know, in terms of, of um, you know, any types of, of pollution. Um, and the cost of electric cars is coming down. And, um, you know, there, there are parts of the world where they're hoping, like, for example, in Europe, to completely transition, you know, from fossil fuel-powered um, automobiles to electric automobiles, you know, as a way to um, tackle air pollution and the effect it's having on health and on economies. Right. I think electric cars have become very attractive. I think they look cool. I think uh, we think of them in a positive manner. We also think of them as being more expensive. And like you mentioned, the cost is coming down. But then there is also the problem of where am I going to get a charge? I'm afraid that I can only drive this vehicle so far and I'm going to get stuck somewhere. So there's also um, all of this stuff that has to be done by our government to ensure that we can use our electric electric vehicles. Yeah, I was really impressed with Governor Herbert's, you know, uh, budget this year, you know, that he um, sent over to the legislature, you know, that had $100 million in it this year to address air quality um, about a third of which uh, was really related to um, infrastructure around um, electric vehicle charging. So once we have uh, more infrastructure in that regard, I think those um, charging anxieties, you know, will go down considerably. And, you know, the technology is improving at such an incredibly rapid pace that, um, you know, a 200-mile range, you know, for a car, you know, three years from now is going to be, you know, a 500-mile range, you know, which is probably better than my former former gas mm-hmm. uh, gasoline-powered car. Sure. The, definitely the costs are definitely coming down and are more attractive. But it's also about the construction industry and then putting in power boxes in your garage that will charge your vehicle overnight. And, and so there are a lot of these infrastructure things that still need to be put in place. Yeah. You know, the, the home building industry is kind of an interesting topic when it comes to air quality. I mean, we know that, for example, low NOx water heaters is a is a good strategy, you know, to reduce um, air pollution. Um, and that takes, and you know, and for those to be used universally, it takes um, and requires, you know, um, changes in our building code. You know, um, our houses themselves off gas, you know, those point source emissions um, are second only to tailpipes um, in terms of what, you know, the, the, what's emitting um, air pollution, you know, into our environment. So we're going to need to be smarter with home building as well um, to, to have um, uh, less polluting homes, um, you know, to be including, you know, 220 charging devices in our garages to charge our electric cars to more universal use of um, solar you know, in order to um, provide some of the energy in sunny Utah. But there's lots of things that I hope, you know, in the coming years, sooner rather than later, that are, um, you know, kind of part of our social norms, that when we go to buy a house, that as consumers, we're saying, this is what we want, because we intentionally want to have less of an impact on the environment. Dr. Joy, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you.